to what, what we talk- oh. oh no well this is gonna start weird anyway so i'm caleb that's keith keith is a an icon because what he did you see it's cold in minnesota and he drove his car upside down into a ditch so he's waiting for it to get fixed whether or not that's actually what happened uh, i control the narrative and joining me as always as sometimes is jack all right so uh i'd like to start voices i'd like to start this episode off by saying that we did not bully a power ranger to death uh, no, that is not us. <laughs> that was not us, and that was pro- so okay. So as you guys know, we record these in advance. That episode that came out on Sunday, we had recorded like Wednesday afternoon. I had no idea that the Green Ranger was going to go and commit suicide, and that actually made me sad because he was my favorite Ranger growing up. So we had nothing to do with that categorically and empirically i'm stating i and me especially i had nothing to do with that stop sending me dms about the green ranger it was very like yeah i got a lot i woke up and i got the news i was like oh that's sad and then i just like i didn't think about it for like 20 minutes and then out of nowhere i get a dm like bro what the fuck that's kind of rough and i'm like what, oh god no like immediate panic uh i had a comment on my facebook post where someone was like where were your whereabouts last night from 10 p.m to 6 a.m and i'm at gunsight teaching the revolver roundup uh and i was like i was in my freaking hotel what where else would i be no idea because i didn't you know it's, right. like, i didn't see the news or anything like that so anyway uh our bad, um, like for real, that was unfortunate timing. Hearts go uh, out to his family. Yeah, um, for real. I, like that's that guy was just, an icon growing up. He really was. Like, I mean, all you know, everybody our age loved that show, and you know, obviously the Green Ranger. Eventually, the White Ranger was the coolest Ranger. Um, also, I did. Uh, I was reading a news article about it, and they wrote out his title as White Power Ranger, and I'm like. <sighs> Where you put the emphasis on power it's, in that? It's a very. It's tough. It's, it's, it was it was a different time. It, it, was, um, it was a very different time. It, it really it was the nineties, guys. All right, the it was the nineties using cut footage of a of a completely different Japanese TV show. Yeah, it, it's kind of amazing what they managed to pull off, but it the action scenes are not American at no. all. They're, they're, yeah, I really enjoy how they connected a, you know, like teenagers acting to like random kicking from a different show. Uh, so the again, Yellow Ranger in the action scenes is not a chick, like I, at all. I it's did very not clearly know that. a dude. Again, uh, I so Power Rangers again, original Power Rangers is one of those shows that I will not go back and rewatch because I do not want to spoil the cherished memories that I have of it. Um, so I lived with a guy, this will be a really weird tangent, but who is a super fan of the Japanese show. Uh, mm. Believe it or not, I've lived with a couple of weebs. Um, and me and him have had some conversations, and he is like, it's if you watch the American stuff as an adult, you don't watch it and think like, oh, the storyline held up. What you notice as an adult is that it is two different shows mm-hmm. and how well they took two different shows and combined them to produce a product that American audiences could connect with. So you don't really watch it and say like, what, what great acting you watch it and go, 
wow, they really did this. They pulled it off. And as an adult, you could see it. But as a kid, you had no idea. Also, this has been a uh, tough week for childhood icons dying when I think about it, because Kevin Conroy passed away as well. That one, the the, the Green Ranger was upsetting. Kevin Conroy was the, for my generation, like the millennial generation, if you ask us who our Batman was, it's not Christian Bale. It's not, um, uh, what's his name with the suit where he couldn't turn his neck? Uh, oh my God. I'm blank. Michael Bale, Bale couldn't turn his neck in his suit. Yeah, in the first one. Neither could Michael. Oh, Michael Keaton, Keaton couldn't even move. Keaton, yeah, Keaton was, Keaton's action scenes are just like somebody else's arms in Batman gloves, like coming yeah. up and hitting people. Um. But neither, but that that was our Batman was Kevin Conroy, you know, and he was a cartoon. But that voice will be, I mean, it's iconic, and there's no other way to put it. And his death was genuinely upsetting for me because again, Batman died. Um, that's there's no other way to explain that. Um, I don't know if you saw it, but he was he volunteered to work at a soup kitchen during nine eleven that was feeding. Um, firefighters. I didn't know he did that. That just proves so, that Kevin Conroy, in addition yeah, to being Batman, is actually a good person. So he's sitting there, like, working, like, making food for these people who are now well into the rescue efforts and, like, trying to put something together out of all that madness. And the guy across from him is like, do I know you? And he's like, I'm an actor. And he's like, well, what have you been in? And he goes, it's all voice stuff. And he goes, was there anything I'd know? And he goes, yeah, I do the voice of Batman. Are you? Oh, it was you, right? And he goes out. And he's like, you guys wouldn't believe who's cooking your food back here. It's Batman. And uh, they're like, prove it. And like Conroy does the voice, and it's like this is just. And all the guys lose their mind. And Conroy talked about that, and I was like, wow, wow, not only childhood icon, but good person. One of my favorite things that he did uh, late in life is he would do voiceovers on generally on, on what were basically fan created animated scenes from like the Bale movies. Uh, and he would do the voiceover for Batman on that. And I'm sure he got paid, but that's the sort of thing where you don't have to do that when you're Kevin Conroy. And he's like, no, this seems cool. I'm Batman. And then he did the voice and they were they're all really fantastic. So, you know, this has been a, that is a show that absolutely to this day holds up oh unbelievably well if uh, you have never watched the batman animated series it is such a fantastic show it's well written it's well directed some of your iconic batman he- villains the rogues gallery were made by that show mm-hmm. harley quinn did not exist until that show she is a product of that show yeah um, I think Clayface is a product of that show. Um, Two Face existed, but I think they 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 did some stuff with him. I'm not really sure. I don't want to speak too much, but I know they I know they changed. The I coin think they, was yeah. a product of that show. The constant flipping of the coin to make decisions uh, and things like that. Product of that show. Also, the other thing that show produced was what is largely one of the most iconic interpretations of the Joker, voiced by none other than Mark fucking Hamill. Like, if Hamill wasn't Luke Skywalker, he would be we known would as the only Joker. known as the Joker. And yes. I'll tell you, I think the Joker's is better role. I mean, the Joker's a much more complex role, especially as a voice actor. And 
one of the things about Conroy and Hamill especially is that even in animated projects outside of the Batman animated series continuity, they still voiced Batman and the Joker for in many, many other projects uh, because those voices were so connected to that sort of animated uh, idea of the character. So yeah, it was a tough, tough week for our childhood heroes, um, which brings me to the topic of this episode, which is nostalgia, specifically dumb gun nostalgia. And maybe we just keep talking about Batman for another 20 minutes, but one of the things, <laughs> no, but speaking of one of the things that I always loved about uh, that Batman animated series was because the aesthetic was this sort of weird, like you couldn't place the time period that it no. was set in. And that was intentional because it allowed them to do like this crazy art deco vibe and everybody's got Tommy guns and stuff like that. But Batman also has computers and heat seeking missiles and shit. Like, I think it, it really goes. There are villains with straight up lasers in that. Like, yeah. Uh, there's a, a really great episode where the penguin steals an attack chopper. And oh, yeah, it's one of my all-time favorite episodes because it was very, it was very like trying to solve the problem of how do you deal with this guy who was stolen an attack chopper, um, and the attack chopper looked cool. It, it didn't look like an Apache; it looked more like a Sikorsky, mm-hmm. big-bodied thing that they had just like strapped these big rocket gun pods to, and in the middle of the rotor blades was a turret with laser. Ru- rifles in it oh yeah um also i want a helicopter that has a rotor blade turret with lasers in it that sounds yeah dope. <laughs> um big improvement on the another uh lovely robot sound from the disembodied voice of keith um my other like yes yeah, so you get the like the tommy guns you get like the nameless 1911 variations that mm-hmm. every bad guy would whip out. But Jim Gordon K-frame still baby. carrying big K-frame revolver. Lots uh, of characters had, uh, I will say this too, one of the great things about that show was they did a spinoff comic book called The Batman Adventures, which lasted for three years, uh, 36 uh, issues. I have all of them. I still have all of them because interestingly, the first comic book I bought was one of those. Um and I've talked about this before on other shows, but there's an issue, number 15, that's all about Commissioner Gordon, and he's got a revolver in it, and he says some stone-cold shit to some guys, where they're like, what are you gonna, you can't get us all, and he's like, well, seeing as this is a revolver, and considering my advanced age, I can only get the first three of you that move. Who's it gonna be? And I'm like, 12, reading this, and I'm like, that's the tightest shit I've ever read. He does just like, he would just say things that were just like, whoa. And like Jim Gordon's always been a beast. Like in the in that Batman Adventures, Batman the Animated Series continuity, Jim Gordon's an ex-Green Beret. Like that yeah. is an established line of continuity that Jim Gordon, Green Beret. Also, in my head, the Jim Gordon in um the new Batman movie with uh the Sparkly Vampire Boy, uh is yes. actually also- great movie. Uh is Felix Leiter by the way from yes agreed like uh, he just he, he he got tired of cia and decided yes. to go into a new identity as a cop also um, great great moment of that for the i i really hate people who can't accept the fact that batman doesn't shoot people like just get over it guys um 
I I really did appreciate like when him and Gordon go into the mental asylum. He's like, no guns. And Jim's like, no, no, I don't know who you're talking to, but it's not me, white boy. Yeah. Calm no. down. <laughs> like, I stay strapped. Yeah, like you can you can ease up with that nonsense right there. Also, the fact that Batman abandons Jim Gordon in a seven to one gunfight, and he's like, "You got this, buddy." It's like, wait, fuck you, right? Um, which Jim actually brings... making the Smith and Wesson M and P cool again. Oh man, I mean, that's difficult to do. Not even Hilton Yam could make the Smith and Wesson M and P cool again. Mm. Uh, but on that note, uh, we're going to keep talking about Batman because we're just going to, you know, we're going to do the guns of Batman. Here we go. So yeah, we've, done, okay, let's... we've done the animated series uh, before we move on, though, we do have to discuss something that I will th- absolutely throw hands about. And that's that Michelle Pfeiffer is the most iconic Catwoman portrayal ever across any media or any. also I was like 12 when I saw that. And that has an effect on you. Like Okay, so... I I will say that like something that's always stuck with me is the uh, crime alley slang of Barbara and um, I forget his father's name. Uh, Thomas Wayne. Thomas Wayne by Joe Cool. Um, man, what a there there have been some really iconic moments of it, but I will never forget the I forget which thing it's in, but I will always remember the pearls flying yeah. off the nineteen eleven. Yeah, I'm like, whoa, oh, oh man, that's that such is a good a... shot. Uh I will say this, however, to any future Batman filmmakers, we don't need to see that scene again. Um, it's like Order 66 in Star Wars stuff. Okay, I've seen it. I've seen I've like been traumatized times. enough. I'm good. <laughs> I'm fucking good. With which I do caveat that with the Order 66 scenes that were in Obi-Wan Kenobi were really fucking good. Like, god damn it. God damn um, you, Dave Filoni. Um so if you want to talk about like an iconic Batman gun, but it's not from a good Batman film. Batman Forever with Jim Carrey and um, um uh Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones is Two-Face. I got to say uh Tommy Lee Jones is Two-Face holds up. Right. Like if you right. watch that again, it's actually really good and apparently he hated Jim Carrey and then oh, really yeah. comes through in as the... I've, as I have grown, I also hate Jim Carrey as a person. Same. Yeah, like Jim he's up. He's yeah, up, dog. Like you're you're running a little hot here, homie. Um, yeah, but there there's a moment where his like all of Two Face's bad guys is an absolute aesthetic of just like sleeveless leather jackets, skin tight combat pants, knee high boots, but they're wielding Olympic Arm ninety three AR pistols that have been converted to full auto. Now, these show up in a couple of different movies, including 2006's Miami Vice remake uh, in a couple of variations that are pretty cool. But these guys have no stock, 95-round drums. They're Korean drums. But these guys had... They they were like, that doesn't look future retro enough because they were trying to, like, copy the weird Art Deco looks with, like, a little bit more cyberpunky flash. Mm-hmm. They put neon on the drums, yes, for no reason. 
Because and, why not? But I'll never forget those dudes like unloading those things. And I just thought that's cool. Like that's I'd I'd really like to go talk to the prop master guys and see how they did that and how they got like working neon on drums that are firing on full auto guns. Um, I'm looking at a picture of it now, and I now remember how absolutely wild that gun look was. Right, like they, it you gotta give like the bad guys some like a lot of aesthetic credit. Well, and it in that in that same movie, I, as I'm now like flashing back to it, um, Two Face's pistol was a Benelli uh, 22 long rifle yeah. Olympic sport pistol that they chrome plated, and it looks wild that shows up in a remake of a movie called the fem nikita the american remake version come on right the remake version is called no way out oh is that the one that just came out on no this came out in the 90s it's absolutely fantastic but the gun that they give the girl to do the assassination as her like training exercise in the uh restaurant is the exact same like chromed out Benelli 22 target pistol which you know if you don't know what it is looks like a magnum just right well because it's got the, killer it's got the mag and for anything that has them uh, any sort of pistol that has the magazine in front of the grip looks cool right and it just looks like something that you're gonna wreck people with um i'm looking for now i will say this to uh, uh there's a vp9 tactical in one of these movies uh, it's one of the later Batmans, obviously. You know, you know the one of the things, and I actually am someone who likes uh, Batfleck. Um, I felt, and because I felt like the Batfleck was, I, I like. I have problems with some of Frank Miller's stuff, but I thought that the Frank Miller stuff that he did around old Batman was really good. And the Batfleck draws on a lot of those inspirations, which is why I like the idea of batman like that version of batman murking people with miniguns mounted on his on the batmobile because the logical con- and i I've, i definitely have said this before maybe even on the show the logical conclusion of batman is that he turns into the punisher at some point like that's the only way well, not necessarily the punisher but so i think i think like if you want to discuss this from like a writing standpoint there's an idea of like what happens when 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 this this concept that Batman has tried to make breaks. Right. I don't like it. I so I don't like the concept of old Batman where he kind of snaps and he's like, well, screw it, I'm just gonna fill up a graveyard full of bodies. No. I like Jason Todd. I like Jason Todd as the Red Hood because he is one, a representation of Batman's failure but not the failure of Batman. Mm, interesting. I largely agree with this. I also liked the one. So where I struggle with the Batfleck versus why I'm okay with it in um, the, the Frank Miller books is the Frank Miller books are very clearly predicated on a post-apocalyptic society almost not yes not truly post-apocalyptic but it's a society where superman no longer stands for what superman stands for and is a pawn of the government and batman is sort of at his wits end and he doesn't go out of his way to kill people but he's not reticent about using lethal force anymore so i think like there is this idea of like batman is trying to keep society together right 
and when society like keeps crumbling he has an escalation of force that's like batman doesn't kill a mugger batman doesn't kill a mobster because he's kind of understood that he creates a power vacuum Mm -hmm. um and he's trying to keep it contained and there is a failure to the premise but I think when he faces these larger threats and you put like Batman and Gotham should never pick up a gun. Right. Batman ver- once he's in the Justice League doesn't pick up a gun because he's like surgically killing people to try and like save the world. Yeah. Well, like, and there's a different level of threat there. I have also noticed that many fictional interpretations of Batman, including animated ones, will murk aliens like they're he's like <laughs> not people. He's like, listen, Batman doesn't kill humans. Fuck you, you green-skinned leather wig. Right, like, if you're wondering, like, why Batman goes off on Superman, it's because he's not human. Right. He's like, I can kill you. You're not a person. Batman Batman got real clear defined laws about shall not kill a person. Joe Cool, a human being, killed my parents, and that wasn't cool. Aliens? Eh, gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> um, it's the same token as when Superman's like, think, honestly, Dark Side, thank you. I've never really known what I was capable of, but we're about to find out. We're gonna, we're gonna throw a whole planet at this guy. Um, <laughs> uh, back to the guns bit, I do have to call this out because I am the revolver guy, but you know, the the Smith and Wesson combat masterpiece that the Joker has in, uh, the in the 1989 batman movie mm-hmm. where he pulls out the friggin you know the yeah, 16 yeah. inch barreled revolver so first off that's a k-frame like it's the medium yeah. frame revolver but apparently when here's it, it so apparently the reason why they had to use that is because they didn't have the budget to shoot the original scene which was that there was a tank hidden inside one of those parade floats and that's what shot the batwing down not a 38 special revolver with a super duper long barrel um so there's a little bit of gun trivia for you you guys can add that to your repertoire along with did you know that Viggo Morganson broke his toe when he kicked that helmet <laughs> um i i will say like another thing that i dig in the dark knight as pertains to guns and the joker is he Lesnar's joker is continually upgrading his guns throughout the film yeah he does doesn't he like he he it, you can always see him swap from like he 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 starts with like Glock seventeen. He's like, okay, this is cool. ooh shotgun. I'm gonna take this now, and he keeps the Glock. It's always the same Glock. He's always got that two tone seventeen. Um, oddly, apparently they use the sound of a minigun to make his sound just like a little bit more crazy. Hmm. And then later he's got a Smith and Wesson submachine gun. Absolute vibes. Oh, when he's hanging out of the cop car with the MP41, the Smith & Wesson subgun, just going... Aah! Yeah, it's... Uh, One it's of the best book. scenes. Um, Oh, man, I'm trying to think, like, is there another... I've always really enjoyed the the fan theory about his Joker that he is like uh like a dude with PTSD who just went fully and thoroughly around the bend. Yeah, I... When I heard that, I initially was like, I don't really want to hear another fan theory from someone. And then they like, oh, he's an ex-Special Forces guy who's just lost it. I'm like, 
oh, that makes so much sense. Right? You're like, like, you look at your friend group and you go, so which one of you guys? I know. I look. I know the guy. I think <laughs> you do know him. And yeah. I'm constantly just like, oh, please no. Like, don't like, like just. Just dial like two notches back, homie. Like, do you need to call somebody? You know, hug. I'll, I'll hug you. Don't stop me. You. I'll hug you. Uh, but like, it, it covers up the why can Joker, who's supposed to be crazy, recruit all these people to do these jobs? Well, because the government trained him to. Like, and he's really good at it. Well, and that's the other thing too that that uh, you know, when you like the the gun stuff. We too. know he's not a Navy SEAL because he's not running drugs. Right, and his hair isn't very good. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, um, we're not just to do. Uh, <laughs> we're so gonna get one, trouble again. <laughs> this, I don't want to get renditioned again. Um, <laughs> so this one time, uh, you know, it's funny though. Like, if you watch, one of the interesting things when you know talking about guns and Batman is you can sort of tell the tone and the vibe of a Batman movie by the gun handling, right? Like, if you look at the 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 first you know two the first two with keaton the guns are serious but kind of like everything's a little bit over the top right then you get into like the batman forever and the one with arnold schwarzenegger and it's all cartoonish and comical and then you go around to the dark knight you know the dark knight trilogy and the gun handling is very realistic it's very you know it's what you would expect from a world where batman exists but is kind of the only superhero quote-unquote uh, and then, you know, when you talk about the Batfleck movies, it's back to being over the top, but it's over the top with real guns. Cause we're in a world with Superman and Wonder Woman and all of these other things. Um, and then there's really not a lot of, uh, you know, other than the, there, there's not nearly as much gun stuff in the Batman as there was in previous movies, but well, I thought that I thought the stuff that was in it was really well done. I think, I think it really does like. I, I think it shows like one most of it is like cops and gangsters mm-hmm. and one I'm a big fan of the Batman I'm probably going to watch it tonight while I make Thanksgiving stuff um, now that we've been talking about it but the Scarecrow rendition and the guns he chooses are very scary to me like that's purpose driven like well, it's also scary because we know some guy who's got, you know, $700 laying around to buy guns that aren't high end, but also has a manifesto. Um, and, uh, yeah. Um, I, I do remember the some of the angry Reddit backlash about that. It's like, well, they're making this, you know, those incel guys aren't really real. And I'm like, hi. Oh, no, they, they are real. They are a threat. Yeah, like, they are actually a threat. If you if if you identify this way, I identify you as a threat. I identify you as a target. Um, if you if, if you believe your crazy internet rambling stuff, I promise you you're gonna turn out looking like that dude from Dallas. Do you have a manifesto about how all women are bitches? Here, would you hold this? What is it? It's an IR strobe. I'm gonna be over there. Yeah, no. Um <laughs> I'm not saying that we should drone incels, but we should drone incels. Yeah, and, you know, uh, get stomped in the face. Get, you know what, if you are one of these people, there is no Batman. He is not coming to, like, beat you up a little bit and 
hand you over. It will be the citizens of the world around you who beat the ever living crap out of you. They'll probably kill you because they're more yeah. Jim Gordon than Batman. If you're lucky, like, if you're like, if yeah, if you're lucky. If you're um, lucky, it will be someone like Jack who will just shoot you in the face. Right. If not, you're going to prison where it'll be I, I really want to get this through. You will not be a martyr to the cause. Yeah. Uh it'll be an un, unmistakable smear. You'll be currency. Yeah. You're you're not a you're not a name. And that's one of the things that I I kind of wish what they had done in Batman, I wish they had killed him. I wish they had killed the the scarecrow. Mm-hmm. I know why they didn't. I understand like there was there's a design here for a continuing world. Uh but no, I would have been much happier as a person who lives in a world where there are crazy people who do crazy things. Uh if they had shown what that what the end result is that. Yeah. That would have been fantastic. And let's uh, not end the episode on that note. Um, And let's just go back real quick to, you know, I want to, again, go back and end this episode on a note where we both think about our favorite moments from uh, Batman, the animated series. Already Um, have it, but go ahead. No, I, you go, because I have to pick. Uh, It is a two-parter episode where they go back to Japan and Batman's ninjutsu master has been holding on to the secret of a of a technique to kill a man by touch and Batman has like an old school ninja rival and they have a ninja duel on a volcano 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 why brain volcano really um and spoiler alert he Batman's you know rival gets a hold of the um technique and learns how to do it and batman figures out that he knows how to do it and wears a padded plate oh, on yeah. his chest in a straight up throwback to spaghetti westerns which is really cool because they did a, a lot, lot of, of that right well because a lot of spaghetti westerns are actually throwbacks to kurosawa films they basically do a batman the animated series kurosawa film where they do a throwback to spaghetti westerns and as an adult, it's a great setup. As a kid, I absolutely loved it. Um, I'm going to look up the name of it real fast. I know which one uh, you're talking about. Uh, that will take me to my favorite uh, Batman. And it's interestingly, it's the last one of the Batman the Animated Series. It was aired uh, 1995. And it's The Lion and the Unicorn. And that's the one where Red Claw or uh, takes Alfred prisoner and is like trying to torture him to get like some access code that he knows because Alfred used to be a super secret agent and stuff like that. And it's just a really, really good episode. Uh, and it's I, I I'm always a fan of Batman stuff that showcases how cool the supporting cast is, right? Like how cool Jim Gordon is and how cool Alfred is. And Alfred in that show was great. Um, And, you know, just, and I, if if you haven't seen it, I won't spoil it, but uh, I'll tell you guys this, all of the Batman animated series is on HBO max. So if you have HBO max, you can go stream every episode. If you have a little boy or girl that's in the age band from like eight to 12, Watch it with them. Like, watch this with your kids. And I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Hopefully they like it, but you'll probably like it. It's a fantastic show. It's, it's a great show. 
And that's uh that's it for this week, guys. Uh, the the disembodied voice of Keith will hopefully turn back into a full person next week. Um, and uh, yeah, we will uh see you guys in a week, and we promise not to kill any more of your childhood heroes.